Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 13. On this episode, I'm joined with Lee Bethune from Hattie, Missouri, from Legacy Equipment. Lee, thanks for being part of my podcast. Thank you, Casey. All right. Before we get started, I always like to get a little background on on who you are and who your uh, who your uh, dealership is. So, why don't you give me a little background on Lee and, and Legacy Equipment? Okay, Casey. Uh, I've been in the business for 16 years. So, when I graduated from college, I moved back in to join the family business. Uh, started out in our parts department uh, originally. Uh, my uncle wanted me to to have some experience uh, waiting on customers, getting to know uh, uh, who they were and learn a little bit about the equipment. Uh, did that for the first four months, and uh, then we had a salesman uh, that was an, an older gentleman who passed away. Um, there was a need for another salesman, and so they decided to throw me to the wolves right then. Uh, pretty scary at first, but um, uh, learned over time, dealt with a lot of walk-in customers, lawnmower customers. Uh, didn't handle that many accounts at first, but uh, that led into gaining more accounts. Um, while I've been in the business, I've, I've worked in the, in the parts and in the service. Uh, did a little bit with the accounts receivable, accounts payable. Uh, for five years, I did settlements and invoicing along with selling. Um, been involved, been a focused person with market share. Um, also, um, a little bit of things administratively uh, in the business. So I've kind of had that experience. Uh, it's kind of helped me understand kind of behind the scenes how things are working. Um, in 2010, uh, when we merged to become Legacy, I became the location manager uh, here at this location. Uh, so in, t- in September of last year, I became remarketing manager. Uh, so starting really in January, I, I feel like I've kind of t- taken that role on full time uh, once we got through the harvest. Uh, this spring, I've taken on a few small ag roles uh, with our, and helping to manage that part of the business. So um, that's kind of where I've how I've got to where I am today um, but uh, you know right now dealing with the remarketing dealing with the use side dealing with the small act the push there uh, it, it definitely keeps me uh, busy I don't have to worry about what I'm gonna do uh, throughout the day it's uh, there's plenty to do so that's kind of what where I've in my 16 years I've kind of seen a little bit of everything and kind of uh, it's kind of give me a really good picture of this business yep there is a there's a lot of benefit to working, kind of working through all the departments and working your way through because you get a, a better view of uh, how the customer is going to interact and, and kind of how your effect on on the other mar- or on the other parts of the business are gonna are gonna act. You're exactly right. So give me a little history on, on legacy. So I know there's there's been four or five dealer groups that have come together to make to make this over the over the course of the yes. course of history here. Right. In 2010, in May uh, May of 2010, uh, uh, we had uh, four family operations come together. Uh, W. Chrysler Company, which had been in business since 1935. Um, Basil and Wilder, uh, which is uh, which Harry Basil and Jeff Basil, their family, uh, had been in business since 1971. Uh, the Riggin family, which was uh, Harold Riggin, uh, started their business, I think, in the mid-40s. Uh, then his son, Blue, and then Cody um, were, were all part of that family. Then, then the Kirk family, um, uh, Kirk Equipment, uh, I think were sometime in the, in, in the 40s as well. Uh, the Tommy Kirk and, and his father started the business. And so uh, we had four... Uh, you know, long-standing, uh, you know, John Deere dealerships in Northeast Arkansas, Southeast Missouri, 
uh, you know, we came together and uh, so we've been in business for a little over seven years, which says seems like just yesterday that uh, the merge happened, but it's, uh, it's, it's been about, we just celebrate our seventh birthday. So it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a good ride so far. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how fast time flies when you start putting this stuff together. But yeah. It's uh it's been a, uh, it just goes by pretty quick. It does. All right, so let's jump into some of your local markets here. So right now, when you take a look around, are you seeing um, you kind of we're in that kind of pre-post harvest kind of phase? It seems like you guys are probably starting cutting beans down there before too long. Um, beans and corn. Are you seeing a lot of uh, kind of local auctions that are impacting your business right now, or do you see some retirement sales going on? Uh, we've not seen. I wouldn't say that we've seen many retirement sales. Um, now we, you know, we've we've had a few. Uh, customers that have have quit farming uh, that uh, you know that uh, occasionally we see some of those, but you know we we're right here in the back door. Uh, you know, Dewitt's being in Sykeston or uh, you know, so they have you know they stay pretty busy. They have a full schedule, so you know we're just a little over a week. Uh, you know, a week ago they had their their big annual combine auction, and so um, you know we we have seen an impact uh, in the auctions. I mean, obviously, our customers, um, a lot of customers attend those, even guys that aren't, uh, you know, probably looking to purchase, but they attend them, you know, just to, to, you know, to see how the market or what equipment, you know, what these, what these, what the prices are. So I definitely think it impacts it because it creates a lot of, a lot of conversation and um, a lot of talk about what, uh, what this equipment is selling for. So I definitely think it does have an impact, but the big combine auction last week, you know, was obviously one that everybody was looking at with our, you know, with, with the combine market that had a big, you know, definitely has a big impact in, on, you know, on us here. So how would you say the, the stuff that you watch sell there, how would you say that would be, uh, you felt like this, there were good, good numbers or do you feel like they're about what you expected? Well, I, I, I felt like they were, they held steady from what other auctions had, you know, what I'd, what I had uh, seen in other auctions. Now, is that, is that good for us as dealers? No, but it, it didn't seem, I didn't, I didn't seem, I didn't, didn't seem that there was a, a tremendous drop off um, yeah. uh, in the pricing. I, I thought that there's a lot of customers that were there um, watching this equipment sell and they thought the equipment was bringing, you know, was kind of on the higher end which I told one customer that it's, it's, it's higher than you expected, but lower than what I would like it to be. Right. Got a laugh out of the customer, but that's kind of where, uh, where we say, but I thought it was, I thought it was um, pretty flat to what it's been. And I, I didn't see a tremendous drop off from what uh, other auctions, you know, with other auctions have been bringing. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm seeing in the auction market right now. I don't, there's no real surprises as far as I'm concerned. I don't think that anything is, is, uh, really high or really low. I think things are kind of stabilizing to some, like I maybe hit a soft bottom. I still feel like there might be some, um, some pressure here towards the end of the year, first part of next year that that could bring some values down. Um, but I think overall it seems like there's a, some, some sort of stability in the marketplace. So when you look out there, yeah. So when you look out there now and you start kind of looking at, uh, some of your short-term opportunities and struggles, what do you see kind of taking place for your, for you and your dealership? Well, I, I definitely think, um, you know, some of the struggles right now is, is definitely the used combine market. 
um, uh, we, we, you know, our comp, we'd love to see our combine inventory, uh, a little lower than what it is. But when you talk to, you know, I've talked to a lot of dealers, uh, on a daily basis and it seems kind of that, that thought gets echoed quite a bit, um, with, with used combines. Um, think that the, you know, obviously the rising price in new machines and the, the drop in the, in the, in the used market has, has made it more difficult as dealers to, uh, to try to meet all those goals that we need to meet, you know, market sharing for things like that. It's, it's hard to, to, you know, selling the new equipment and bringing these trades in and getting them right where you need them to be is definitely a, is definitely a struggle, but it's something that, you know, we have to work through. Um, and so I think, you know, there's opportunities to, the opportunity on that side is to just make sure that the, the deals that you're going after are good deals and, uh, that, that you're making, um, smart, you know, the smart trades. But, uh, I definitely think that, that that that's the one that's the one item where I see that we're um, that is really something that we're gonna, the struggle that we're going to have to continue to work on. I think an opportunity uh, for our business is that that we've really started focusing on is uh, and on the small ag side. Uh, small ag, I know deer has made a a lot bigger push in the small ag. Uh, you know, made it more of a focus, and so we've tried to make it more of a focus for us uh, to go after. And we're we're seeing some some good benefits of of really uh, targeting uh, those customers. Yeah. Um, seems like some of our competitors do a really good job of of um, looking like they're in the business. I think in the past we probably didn't look as though maybe we were in the business having the right having enough inventory and stocking the right units. And and I think we sometimes intimidate the the just the average customer from coming in because they see all the big equipment we have out front and think that. We really don't want to mess with them, you know, you know, a 30, 30, 80 tractor or, or, um, you know, any of those 1000 series one R's. And I just don't, you know, they might think, well, they just don't have time. They're wanting to sell combines or cotton pickers or things like that. So I think we've, we've tried to focus, making it more, you know, customer friendly to come in. And so I definitely think that's a big opportunity moving forward where we can, um, you know, help, help grow our, you know, the market share and help deer with uh, growing the small ag market yeah yeah that's that's a that's a good point there about the the small tractor business and, and that that under 90 horsepower stuff we do it can be intimidating for a guy to walk in and see a row of eight r's and nine r's and combines sitting next to each other and at the very end of that there's a there's a few little tractors kind of speckled in there and and uh i've had a couple customers that say that to me it's like i just don't feel like i can come in here i feel feel kind of kind of out of my league a little bit you know when they come in and i'm like man we, we don't we don't care if you're buying a lawnmower or a combine we, it's we want we want your business so it's portraying that to, right. the, to the people out there is is something that we need to do better as as dealers right yeah okay so leasing equipment's always has been a uh kind of a big point of uh contention and opportunity for a lot of folks uh, throughout the course of this year so far. So how have you used leasing to increase uh, or decrease, you know, your used equipment sales or how, how's that helped you even selling some new stuff? Well, I think on the use side, leasing, um, you know, added a, just added another option uh, for our equipment. Uh, we've, um, I can, when I first came in the business, uh, you know, in 2001, uh, we were coming off the, in the late 90s. Uh, John Deere had a lot of really good leases on new tractors. 
um, and, and all those lease returns were coming back and I can remember, and those were all on new tractors. Uh, I can't remember what the, what their, what that program was called, but, um, there was a lot of tractors leased during that time, very attractive, uh, uh, prices and customers did a lot of leasing. But since that point, uh, since I started in the business, there was not much leasing over the last 15 years. And just just an option uh, to to help move this equipment because we could offer some 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 really attractive payments and we could break it down for what it's costing that guy per hour to use that tractor and you know we've been able to we were able over the last two years to move a lot of especially eight R tractors um, and move a lot of them and 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 kind of clean up our our tractor inventory and get in a lot better shape um, and customers looked at looked at that as a good option. You know, a lot of times guys want to own, but the leasing became a more attractive option because it was easier. To, it was cheaper to lease it than it was to own it, and it gave them more flexibility and more buy flexibility in their buying uh, because you know sometimes guys fluctuate acres each year or every couple of years go up and down. So if they need an extra tractor, but they weren't sure if they were going to have this farm in a couple of years, it made sense for them to lease the tractor. So. And um, so we've seen it. We've seen it as a good, a good tool for us. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's done. It's done well for us. Um, on the combine side, also, you know, trying to lease some sort of combines is a little different. Um, can be a little trickier because you know combines have so much maintenance, and so you run. You know, when a guy leases a used combine that's several years old, you know, you have to make sure that you have the that that firm conversation that, you know, after, you know, they're, you're responsible, what you're responsible for, uh, with this machine. So, uh, but it's also been a good tool. We've been, been able to, to lease several combines. So I think it's been very valuable. I think it's, uh, it's been a good tool, uh, that we've been able to, to use and, and, you know, to, to lower our use inventory value. So I, I think it's worked well for us. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've said, a few times so far this in this podcast that we've kind of gotten past the benefits and features selling as much as we're trying to sell that payment and trying to fix that that uh that budget for that customer you know what i mean so take a lot of those tractor right. leases and some of those combine leases where you can <clears throat> especially on a combine you know take a new combine and you lease it or even a used combine you lease it you might be saving the guy twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year in payments by just leasing that stuff so right. that's a big especially in today's environment, that's a lot of cash they can do a lot of things with. And so trying to free up that capital and manage that risk and, and, and do those things. I think, I think leasing has a, has a place uh, right now in every dealership. And, and quite frankly, I think it's going to be, uh, I think we're going to see a lot more leasing of equipment in the future than we have in the past, even when times get good again. Right. I think uh, I've, I've heard more customers mention cash flow in the last two years than in the previous 15. So right. Right. Uh, I think I think it's become a, you know, every all the lending institutions, cash flow is becoming a, a huge topic uh, with them. And so it's 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 become that's become huge to, you know, to make sure that that they ha- they're able to they're able to make everything to work in line with uh, their, their budget. So, yeah, yeah. Cash flow is going to be a bigger thing. And and it, I think it will continue to be that way. Um, especially as these um, operations become more sophisticated. All right, so let's jump into kind of what you see happening in sprayers right now. It looks like the EOP that we've had is kind of wrapping up and and we're moving into a few other things. But when you look at your uh, 
your sprayer business right now. What do you what do you see as some as some pros and cons for you, and and where do you see uh, your used sprayer market headed for the rest of the year? You know, we've we moved to uh, the EOP. Yeah. Yeah, they've been pretty soon, uh, at least the second. Uh, we, uh, our sprayer sales are, you know, have have been somewhat flat over the last couple of years. We, uh, you know, our spray use sprayer inventory had had, um, you know, increased a little bit, but we've we've got that, you know, down to a manageable level now. And uh, I, you know, I I think the the technology on this sprayer, the the exact apply things that they're doing with the carbon boom are are all great technology. I think, but some of these things. Uh, our customers really want, they're really interested in, and they're asking a lot of questions. Um, but I think it's the, the marketing conditions right now have, have slowed some of these guys from pulling the trigger on, on making that purchase. That's they love the technology. I think some of the things that John Deere's coming with, uh, or what they have on the market right now is really, uh, uh, is really intriguing to our customers and they really see it as a benefit, but it's, with the current market conditions, it's really it's really slowed them down from actually pulling the trigger. So I would say our sprayer sales are flat, very flat this year. Um, but I, I think the you know that the good thing about that for for you sprayers is it gives you opportunity to update guys that uh, might take over take that one year old sprayer instead of ordering a new one and and get those savings. So it, so even though you don't sell the new one, you get the opportunity possibly to update them um, to a later model used one. So I think it definitely creates some some good opportunity for us there. Yeah, it seems like the uh, sprayers that we've been selling a lot of <clears throat> have fallen into that, you know, that thousand to fifteen hundred hour range. You know, the, especially the R series sprayer. Um, and I think it's kind of back to the earlier point where they're getting a fairly decent price on the machine at that point, but they're also getting that payment where they want to have it. And I feel like those machines that we had that were priced right for the marketplace. And also um, had the technology and the boom length and those kind of things that guys are looking for. We sold pretty fast. Did you see something similar in what, what right. you had in your inventory? I, I we we have um, you know we've we went to, to you know we you know we're almost you know trying to kind of talk all those guys into the stainless tank and uh, you know starting to seeing some different boom patterns uh, that we have uh, you know throughout our seven locations you know we got a pretty diverse crop mix uh, farm a little bit of everything so so you see some different you know custom configurations on booms some different boom lengths so you know we're starting to kind of see you know guys fall into say a hundred foot boom uh, with the the twenty inch nozzle spacing before for a lot of our cotton guys we'd see the custom configuration at nineteen. So we're starting to see some a, a little more consistency with what our sprayers are having, the spec wise. So it makes it a little easier across our seven locations to to take a sprayer from one location and sell it at another because they're they're starting to be you know starting to be equipped more similarly now than the, maybe what they were in the past. So I, I do think you're right. I do think having the right um, boom width and uh, the right tank size, you know, if, if whether it be a, a R4038 or or 4030, depending on what the customer's needs are. Um, having the right specs on the sprayer, um, definitely they definitely move a lot quicker. Right. <clears throat> yeah, they, they do make a – we're starting to see that too, where there's a lot more consistency in, in how the, the sprayers are equipped. It used to be a sprayer was kind of a one-off machine and every machine was different, but it seems like for the most part they're, they're kind of – there's a little bit of cohesiveness in how, how uh, producers are starting to look at, at their equipment. Right. Um, so, 
in your area are we are you more of a, a row crop tractor area or are you more of a high horsepower four-wheel drive type row crop area we're more more of a row crop tractor um you know majority you know we do have a few four-wheel drives that we sell but a majority of our tractors are eight r's uh we don't even we don't see a ton of seven r's yeah. but eight r's um you know all throughout the the platform we've we've seen recently a trend to the higher spec eight r tractors guys uh you know we, we have a lot of guys that have gone to ivt uh, the ivt tractors ils uh uh, with front duels, we see we have a lot of those tractors on our mark in our market now. Um, you know, the IVT transmission at first was a, was a slow go, but uh, once you get a guy into the cab one and let it, let him operate one, uh, that's all they want. You know, they don't a lot of them don't want to go back to the power shift after they operate it. So, um, but we we're you know majority of our tractors are eight R. Um, and like I said, we'll we'll sell a few nine R's each year, but. Uh, a big, big majority of our tractors each year are are eight R tractors. Yeah, it seems like uh, <clears throat> seems like the eight R marketplace seems to be there's there seems to be a few um, few more used tractors out there than there's been in the past, but um, it feels like they're moving fairly well. Um, I felt like there was a little bit of a, a drop off there, maybe middle of the year or this year. So far, like right around the first of the year, kind of coming into that middle part of the year felt like there was a little bit of a slowdown, but what are you seeing as far as your used ADAR market goes? Do you feel like there's some strength there? Do you feel like there's some opportunities? Do you feel like there's maybe some, some downfall there maybe towards the end of the year? You know, I think um, I, I see some opportunities, I think, uh, and, the, and I think the reason why is because you just see uh, less guys looking for the new, you know, and, and trying to get some savings in the used and seeing if they can, you know, if they can, you know, uh, just like we talked about uh, before, you know, with with cash flow being so critical, uh, guys are able to save significantly off what a new one would be. So I do think there's definitely opportunity. Uh, you know, that's one one product that guys use all year round. It's not a seasonal product. Tractors are, you know, all year, you know, use them all year. So it um, definitely, I I see, I you know, I I don't see it, I don't see it telling off. I see, I see it either staying flat or, or actually getting a little bit stronger uh, as we get to the end of the year. Uh, you know, we we still have people right now. Uh, we've actually sold a couple of tractors this week. You know, guys uh, knowing they're going to have to update and trying to look for a deal right now. So um, we de I definitely think uh, it's going to say you know go have a little upward uh, move or or stay flat throughout the rest of the year. And that's kind of where I see our 8R marketplace being. I don't see it being a big mover force by any means, but I don't think we're going to fall off. So I feel like we're going to be flat, maybe a tick up, but I don't. I don't really see right. it going to be a, a big huge rush to the rush to the door to come buy some stuff here towards the end of the year. I guess it kind of depends on what happens with the corn market and the and the bean market towards the end of the year. Um, here lately, corn's been getting beat up pretty bad, but it seems like beans have been kind of bouncing bouncing up, but they go down quite a bit. But they're bouncing back up here pretty consistently so um <clears throat> feels like there could be some some play in, in that market towards the end of the year but i don't like i said i don't think there's going to be a big a big rush to the door to come buy a bunch of ADAR tractors right um all right so combine marketplace um you guys being in the area that you're at you know corner beans are getting to be uh <clears throat> are coming probably cutting out are you guys cutting out corn and beans? 
we're not cutting yet. We'll be, um, you know, talked to a few customers this week. We're looking, you know, corn probably 10 days, you know, maybe have a few guys starting, but I would say within the next three weeks, we'll, we'll start seeing some corn, uh, you know, corn being cut. Uh, well, rice is probably, uh, several weeks away. Um, I would, I I think we're probably about three weeks out on rice and, and then there'll be probably early beans cut, um, in about that same time frame, uh, look at cotton probably towards the first of October. I'm guessing by the, by the looks of it now, you know, we've had a, we've had a, we've had a, we've got a good looking crop throughout our area right now. It really looks good, but, um, it's, it's not turning as fast as what I thought it was, you know, a month ago, it looked like we would might be, might be pretty close to cutting corn by the middle of August, but it's, it's, it's kind of tapered off a little bit. So I still think we're about 10 days, two weeks out probably before you see, you know, many combines get in the field. So you're kind of at that point now where guys have kind of made the choice, what they're going to do as far as cutting goes, they got the machines ready to go and they're, you know, chomping that bit to get out there. How is your, uh, how do you think your combine market's going to look going towards the end of the year? Well, we, you know, I think uh, we we still have some guys that are looking. Uh, we still, we still, we're still, we're kind of at that, that fourth quarter uh, since football season's right around the corner. We're kind of that. Okay. It's kind of fourth quarter. It's time to, <laughs> it's it's time to to do something now. We we still have quite a few guys that are trying to make some last minute decisions. Uh, you know, the combine auction last week, we had a lot of guys there, but not many guys that were bidding. So that was uh that was good to see them. You know, to see those guys not not pulling the trigger on any, but, uh, so we, we, we got to, you know, we still have some, some, some combines that we're trying to make deals on right now, but, you know, to know what's going to happen, you know, it's, it's definitely crunch time because if you, if you don't do something within the next few weeks, uh, more than likely, uh, you know, guys will, you know, they'll be slow to make a decision until it gets closer time for them to harvest again. So it's, you know, it's definitely a critical, these next three weeks are, are definitely critical, and trying to get people updated and get them get used combines moved. Yeah, yeah, that's, and that we're we're quite a ways yet from cutting anything compared to where you guys are at. But um, we're kind of that same spot too. We have some combine activity. We got guys looking to do some stuff, looking to trade some stuff. Of course, you know you roll out the new you know S seven hundred series combine here, um, getting that out to guys. And with the technology and stuff that's on that, and kind of how that's going to affect our marketplace and and uh, what that looks like and how, how that value is going to be um, dictated coming into next year as far as used ones go. <clears throat> Already having some of those conversations with guys. So um, I feel like if we have combines might be one of those areas where because of the first series of the, of the first generation S, it's just like anything else, you know, that first first new model year is always kind of scary to some folks. So I feel like there's going to be a, a good push on those, those 17 model new ones that we have laying around and, and hopefully get some of those 16s and 15s and 16s pushed out uh, ahead of that. So knock on wood, we can, we can sell some brand new ones, but maybe get some, uh, get some help on that. The use side with just uh, the typical, I don't want to be the first one to buy the first one yet. Right. So hopefully, knock on wood, we can come through the end of the year and, and get some of that, <clears throat> get some of that new equipment, uh, new age equipment, kind of jacked out, and and same way with uh, with some used pieces as well. Right. Um. So when you look at your, uh, since you're in cotton country, how's how's that how's that business looking for you guys? How's the the used uh, 
picker uh, business looking, and, and what do you see kind of going out through the end of the year on that? Well, our our cotton business has been the one thing that we can that we we can feel really good about right now. I mean, uh, we we had a a, a good year selling uh, new cotton pickers uh, uh, for our locations because we're out of our seven stores. We have a couple locations that don't really sell cotton equipment, so we were we're pretty pleased with. Uh, with our selling of, of our new pickers this year and, and really pleased with our used pickers. We have, we, we moved all our used uh, cotton equipment this year. So we're, we're right now we're sitting with no used cotton equipment. So it, it's, it's good, but it's really good right now. Um, we, we feel confident, um, but we don't see a lot of, we've had, a, we've had quite a uh, few customers that went completely out of cotton that were fairly large cotton customers, you know, seven, eight years ago. So, none of them are wanting to get back into cotton. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know really looking at, looking in the future, if cotton prices don't, we don't see a a rise in cotton prices, how much, how many more acres will be planted in cotton? You know, it all, it really, you know, depends on um, grain prices as well. If if grain prices can, you know, dip, uh, you'll see those guys that will, will have cotton as an alternative. Uh, we have really good cotton ground in our area. You know, it's really uh, conducive to growing cotton. So, I mean, right now we've, you know, we, we're not sure what the future holds because of the commodity markets will have a big impact in that. But, but right now we're, you know, we're, we we feel good about our cotton business that we've done. So, um, you know, moving forward, it, it looks, you know, it's, it looks a lot better than what our, you know, what, some, sometimes what our what we feel about our grain business, you know, if it feels uh, it feels and it feels a little bit better than it does when we start looking at our new combine sales. It feels a little bit better looking at that business. Yeah. So when you say um, when you look at <clears throat> we kind of look across the uh, coming year here, what's your overall feel for the way the year is going to end up from macro, not just not just your neck of the woods there, but from, from across the board, what do you think, how do you think used equipment's going to end up? I don't really, I really don't see because of the current farm economy, I don't see a big improvement right now. Um, I think there's certain areas of the country that, that we'll see, you know, that are, that are seeing or having better luck. But I think just, you know, across the United States, I, I feel like that, you, you know, you're probably still going to see, uh, a lot of dealers be really heavy in used equipment. I think that until we get, until we see this farm economy turn a little, um, I don't, I still think dealers are going to struggle. You know, they're going to, or they're going to have more used inventory than, than what, than what they would like. And um, I, I just, I, I feel that way from just talking to people um, across the country, you know, some dealer, dealer contacts that I have, you know, everybody's kind of, kind of in the same boat, you know, having to make some difficult decisions on, on what to do with some of their, their aged inventory. So it, it kind of feels like that, it, you know, I don't think we're going to, I think we've, you know, we've, we've had such a, a slowdown. I don't see it taking a tremendous slowdown. I just don't see any, any huge major improvements, uh, th- you know, to, until the end of the year, I think, you know, things will stay, you know, are going to stay pretty flat. Yeah. That's how I feel too. Sometimes you, uh, you have, uh, it's tough because sometimes you look out there and you and you feel like there's some spark, you know, and you feel like you've seen some some good movement, and then um, you know commodity prices kind of go go haywire on you, and, and and next thing you know, your your guys that were hot aren't hot anymore because they didn't sell their corn when they needed to sell it or, or market their stuff the way they needed to market it or whatever it might be. But um, 
I'm a lot like you. I feel like there's a still an incredible amount of used equipment on the marketplace, mostly being 12s, 13s, and 14s um, out there, whether it's green, red, or yellow, or whoever might be. There's just a lot of that equipment out there, and that's that's really choking choking the back end um, of equipment because you know you sit there and you look at those things, and and there are it's all relative to what that to what that machine's worth. You know what I'm saying? So whatever the new one comes out with or whatever that 17 or 16 is worth, there is a relativeness to that based on what the 12 or the 13 or the 14 was. And those until those machines get are, are pushed out of the market, it's going to be a hard time because they're just so cheap and, right. and what their value is. So, you know, and the, and the other bad thing is, is when you trade that guy up from that 9770 or trade him up from a, an early model, uh, s-series combine or something like that you're just putting another one of those machines back into into population so you're just taking one out and putting one back in so there's just it just seems like there's just really a no no good way for that that equipment really to get pushed out of the uh, of the used market supply right and that's where that's my that's what my my biggest fear is right now is, is how how that is going to continue to play an effect on the marketplace going into 2018 and, and into 20 19 even for that matter right so it's a it's a chess game it always will be <laughs> it's always it's never not it's never not going to be easy i guess is what i'm going to say well, I, th- I think the, the difficult struggle you face is you know when you have that age piece when is it time when's the time to cut loose and you know and 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 i think uh, you know some people do it you know some people have have figured it out better than than others uh but you know when when do you you know, when is it, when is it time, you know, uh, because that piece of equipment, the, the longer it sits there, uh, it, it's not gaining value. It's only losing value. So you, you only, it only becomes a bigger problem for you down the road, you know, to make, to make that decision. So sometimes it's, you just gotta, you just gotta say it's, it's, it's done, move on and, and, and try to try to learn from that, uh, that mistake. Yeah. And that's, and that you're exactly right, man. Knowing, taking the emotion out of it, Knowing when it's time to cut, when it's time not to go, which that's a good segue into the next question, which was going to be kind of what are your processes when you're looking at at aged inventory um, and your inventory in general? Like, give me a, give me an idea of how you how you kind of look at that stuff and, and kind of how you how you get a good feel from a you know fifty thousand foot view of your inventory. Well, I think that you know we we when we're looking at our used inventory and obviously um, age is always a, a, you know, a pretty critical part of that, uh, that process is looking at, you know, and as soon as that, as soon as that piece of equipment is, is been there, you know, had a birthday, you know, obviously that's a, that's a piece that needs, needs to be moved. And so, you know, those are obvious, obviously when we're, we're coming up with our, any kind of used programs, you know, we, you know, it seems like most of our programs start with aged, you know, start, you know, we, it seems to be age focused, which I don't know if that's particularly the best route at times, you know, uh, you know, maybe we're waiting too long till something gains age, but that seems to be what we do. And once we, once that age comes in and then it's, it's, you start getting to having, having to have a real conversation of, of, okay, this is what you might have in this, but what is this really worth? And what is, what can we, you know, in theory, what can we sell this for? What in the market, the current market conditions, what can you sell it for? And so then you got to have a, you know, a pretty difficult conversation on, on how you want to do it. And that's when leasing comes into play. 
uh, versus maybe uh, just an outright sale is, is what, how can we lease this and can we can we possibly lease this machine and and uh, come out better than maybe just an outright sale so there's some different things there that that you got to look at the or, or or that helps us make our decision but it always seems like we we tend to focus on really focus on aged equipment and um, you know that that becomes our key focus on once that once that piece of equipment become falls into that age category to to really start looking at how quick we can move them and and really start targeting our salespeople to focus on these particular units and start trying to make you know make deals happen on these particular units <clears throat> yeah that's kind of I think about everyone does that same thing do deal here but it seems like we do the same thing we look at the used inventory and whatever's oldest is what gets attention um i'm trying to shift focus right now on, on our deal um to where we're taking a look at uh, equipment based on customer history so when we take a look at our inventory we're taking a look at kind of an average over a three or five year average of how long we've kept that machine in inventory and then what, what was our outcome, you know, when we had it, did we sell it quick and make good money or did we keep it forever and lose money? You know? And and so that's kind of, and then starting to kind of look at <clears throat> kind of from a, a preemptive strike, I guess, when it comes in, how we're going to, how we're going to manage that machine from day one instead of from day 180 or whatever that number is that, that draws it, <clears throat> that puts it on the radar. So I don't know if that's going to make any difference or not. Um, it's going to be a hard conversation to have when we're trying to work through uh, selling new pieces of equipment and, and, and taking trade-ins and, and those kind of things. So it'll be, uh, I think it's probably, in my opinion, it's probably a little fresher way to take a look at stuff based on just history that you've had. So I, I think maybe it'll be a good way to do it, but still, you know, theory and implementation are two different things. Well, I, th I think that's a, that's a great point. I think, if you worry about use piece that use piece on at day one, then you, you probably you might not have to have have to have that conversation at day three sixty five. Right, and I think that's what a, a lot of people we once we make that deal we we might take a deep breath and say, "Wow, I just sold this combine, and I just sold a new combine," yeah. but the work's not over with to that used combine finds a home as well to that deal kind of washes itself out. Exactly. You really know where you stand and, and how that deal, how that deal really looks. Uh, you don't really know where you're, you know, where you're currently at until that, that whole deal washes itself out. Yeah. That's uh the wash. I'm a big washout. It's like a guy knowing how long you're going to hold your equipment before you wash out and collect all your dollars at the end, you know, and, and, you know, Dr. Jim Weber always talks about paper profits and, and, you know, love him or hate him. You know, I, I like the guy, but, there's a, the washout thing's pretty, is a big part of my, my strategy. And I pulled the deal the other day out of our inventory or out of our business system that showed everything that's washed out so far this year. Um, and you'd be amazed how, how big a gaps are in some of those, some of those things that might wash out four times and it might've taken three and a half years to wash out a, a new eight art sale or a new combine right. sale or something like that. So, right. um, when you, a lot of guys have no idea. That, that takes that long to do that. And when you look at the margin that you made and then you start taking in holding costs and everything else that you actually held that equipment for, you're really kind of breaking even. Right. So it's a, uh, it is a, it's a fun exercise to go through to kind of, kind of start leading guys down the path of how we're going to manage equipment from day one and not from, like you said, day 365 or whatever that is right. that puts it on the radar. 
Right. So, but yeah, so I think there's, there's some good stuff happening and I feel like there's some definite movement in the marketplace. Um, it's, it seems like the equipment business is as volatile right now as, as the commodity prices are, as the commodity markets are, which I guess is a direct relation, uh, between the two. But, um, I think looking out towards the end of the year, I don't, I don't expect to be down a bunch from what we were last year, but I don't expect to be up a bunch either. Right. So, okay. Well, Lee, I feel like we've got a pretty good feel for, for who you are and who uh, legacy equipment is. And I'd like to thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Casey. Okay, man. Well, thanks for everything you've done for me and I'll, I'll catch you down the road here. So, well, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the moving iron podcast. I'd like to thank Lee of legacy, uh, legacy equipment for being on this episode. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go out and move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. <laughs>